station. This is Houston. Are you ready for the event? You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. NPR, this is Mission Control Houston. Please call station for voice. Recently, I got to do something I'd only dreamt of. Talk to an astronaut who's hanging out on the International Space Station, that global party house and space lab orbiting Earth 16 times a day. Uh, Station, this is Regina Barber with NPR Shortwave Podcast. How do you hear me? Hi, Regina. I've got you now. I've got you loud and clear. How me? Yeah, you sound great. I want to thank I talked to astronaut Josh Cassida, a fellow physicist. And honestly, before anything else, I had to know. Can you describe the ISS? Like... Can you run us through your day today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So let me do my best to try to describe this place, but I'll be honest, I feel a little guilty sometimes because I just want to bring everybody I know up here and show it to them and just have them experience this. Uh, But my day today, just a typical day, I actually started out by uh, taking my own blood. You know, we tend to be the subject of a lot of different experiments, so we get trained in, in being able to do that. And then Josh says the specifics kind of vary. Some days it's big ticket items like a spacewalk where he's tethered to the ISS but outside fixing the station itself. Or doing a robotics operation, capturing a cargo vessel with fresh supplies. And then there's the equally important but much more low-key tasks. We work a little bit on uh, different experiments. We do a lot of things just to maintain the International Space Station. This is an orbiting laboratory, but it's really hard to keep this thing going. So it requires the effort of the people up here and the hundreds and thousands of people uh, down on the ground to make it happen. So right now, while you and I are talking, all of my crewmates are doing something uh, to keep the space station going. I've got my friend Frank, who's working on the interface between a cargo vehicle and the space station. My friend Nicole was just uh, working on some of the smoke detectors. And our friend uh, Koichi from uh, the Japanese Space Agency, he right now is floating around the space station and taking samples on surfaces to make sure we don't have any kind of uh, bacterial growth or anything we need to be concerned about. And the biggest question of all for a day in the life on the space station? Astronaut food! Which in my book is definitely as important as all the science. I have a, a former astronaut, Captain Wendy Lawrence, who lives in my neck of the woods in Washington State. And she's been on the ISS. And she said her favorite thing was they had one international potluck well, where the other countries like shared food with each other. She said Japan had the best food. Have you all done that? So Japan does have some amazing food. Uh, Koichi tends to really like uh, seafood, like really, really fishy seafood. And I'm at the other end of the spectrum, so I love the guy. I just don't love his food. Uh, But we do share uh, a lot of different uh, foods when we can. You know, on Christmas Eve, uh, we made pizza. Koichi and I were slicing really thin slices of Romano to put on uh, on a pizza crust with some sauce, and it turned out much better than we had expected. So we definitely overate on Christmas Eve. Today on the show, life in orbit. We dive into NASA's experiments on the International Space Station and why sometimes routine maintenance to keep the place running is an existential affair. I'm Regina Barber. You're listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. So, Josh... Since we're a science podcast, we want to know like what science is happening on the ISS. And there's a few experiments underway, and um, I know that there's the pick and eat salad crop initiative. So, can you like 
Tell us about that program. Can you walk us through, like, what garden detail is like, if you've done it? At any one time, there are literally hundreds of experiments going on. Um, and so we are essentially the, the eyes and ears and hands of the researchers on the ground as we hop from one, one experiment to the next, uh, as well as juggling uh, that maintaining of the space station job. Um, but, yes, uh, we are currently right now uh, growing uh, dwarf tomatoes. We just started that, I want to say, two weeks ago, and they are already taken off. Uh, what's really interesting there is we're using a variety of different lighting and soil conditions so that we can optimize that uh, for future uh, missions. I'll tell you, we get really excited when we get fresh fruit and vegetables that come up on a cargo vehicle. And so to be able to do that in situ is going to be a huge, huge, not only moral boost, but uh, also a nutritional boost uh, for future crews. So what is the biggest challenge with uh, growing these plants in very low gravity? You know, the first time I took these out um, and essentially started the process, they come up in pillows of uh, different kinds of soil. And I think it's containing that soil. You know, it doesn't take much to have just a little bit uh, of a hole there, and then the the soil starts coming out. And so I had to be uh, a little bit proactive and on making sure that stuff just didn't get all over the cabin. Um, As you can imagine, uh, it can get to be a mess in a hurry. (laughs) Next up, let's talk about physics, because I'm guessing... That may be what you're most excited about, since we're both physicists. What kind of ex- what kind of physics experiment are you doing up in the ISS, and what are you most excited about? Well, I'll tell you, Regina. Um, the experiments that I'm most excited about, of course, yeah, you guessed it. Uh, I'm a little biased here uh, towards some of the more fundamental physics experiments. Not that the others aren't uh, exciting; they just aren't where I grew up. Oh. Um, but my favorite one uh, is the alpha magnetic spectrometer. Uh, it's a big detector that's on top of the space station, and what it's doing is it's just sifting cosmic rays, looking for signatures of antimatter and dark matter. And, you know, it's gotten some really exciting uh, physics results in that we found this excess of positrons, which, uh, as you know, as a physicist, you know, when you find something that's unexpected, it's a signature potentially of new physics, and that is always exciting in our work, line of work. Um, another one that I really like is the cold atom lab, um, which is really very much the same kind of uh, atom trap that we've got on the ground, but the beauty is we've got it up here, and so we don't have to put any energy into holding these really cold atoms in the middle of the chamber. Like right now, as you and I are talking, I'm just floating. You know, this is why we end up having to work out two and a half hours a day. We're incredibly lazy the other 21 and a half hours of the day because we don't have to do a lot. I'm not stressing my muscles. Um, that that ability to just uh, exist without having to put energy in the system is, is how we get to such low temperatures on the cold atom lab. And the dwell time of those atoms interacting is fairly significant, like on order of 10 or 20 seconds, which is really a benefit that uh, we can't really experience in 1G oh, wow. Yeah, without dropping it. So the cool thing for me is, you know, that's an experiment where you can see quantum mechanics happening on the macroscopic level. We've got a Bose-Einstein wow. condensate and you can see the quantum mechanics happening. And I'm really excited about that one. The other one that really uh, gets me excited um, is more in your neck of the woods, this really cool uh, X-ray telescope that, again, is out in the neighborhood of uh, the AMS on top of the space station, and it's, uh, it's doing really detailed analyses of neutron stars, uh, you know, where the, oh. the density is so high that we've got all four of the fundamental forces at play interacting and it's, uh, it's just a really cool experiment. Wow. 
And I wanted to ask you about your space walk. Like I just watched you and Frank go on a space walk recently, seven hours long. Can you tell us what that was like? Yeah, it is uh, the coolest and somehow the dumbest thing that human beings do. You're out there thinking, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is what we're doing. But yeah, you go out the door and I'll tell you, you know, there's a point at which you're, you've got your head down and you're working and you take a peek at the backdrop and, you know, it just doesn't feel real. It's just amazing to see that gorgeous planet going below us. There was a point on our first spacewalk where we were out at the very far edge of the space station and then actually had to go around that edge and kind of hang off of the space station. And I remember thinking, well, this is it. This is the line. This is the end of humanity. It stops here, and I need to go just past it. Yeah, when I was watching your spacewalk, I I was listening to one part where you were asking him for moral and physical help, and he was like, I got you. There's a point where your brain, just for a half second, says, no, I'm not doing this. We're putting our foot down. We're not doing this. Um, But, you know, you, you see it. You take your path, and uh, you, you fall back on your training, and you know all the people on the ground are making it happen, and it's, it's an amazing, amazing machine to be a part of. Did everything go as planned on this last spacewalk? Well, it never goes exactly as planned, but I will say <laughs> these last two uh, spacewalks where we deployed new solar arrays, this really cool technology of these solar arrays that unroll they unfurl, and they're adding, uh, you know, more power generation for the space station as these legacy, these older, you know, 22-ish year old uh, solar arrays start to age. Um, and uh, there were a couple times when uh, Frank and I had to get a little creative and uh, to get this giant uh, solar array mounted. Uh, that took a lot of coordination between the two of us. And, uh, you know, he was, he was working one end, I was working the other, and it, uh, it worked out really well for us. And uh, we couldn't be happier because it's that kind of stuff that helps us do the science here on the space station. I, I like the visual. Um, what are you most looking forward to in the new year while you're aboard the ISS? What we were able to do in that spacewalk campaign was to make the space station a little bit better than when we found it, um, and that's going to continue. Uh, Frank and I are going to take on a new role for the next EVA, and we're going to be the ones doing the really hard work of trying to get uh, Nicole and Koichi ready to go, get them all suited up and get them out the door, uh, and they're going to go Ooh. do another spacewalk that's going to build the infrastructure that we're going to plug a uh, solar array into uh, you know, a couple months or maybe a year or so down the road. So um, to continue to do things that improve the space station, but, but more globally to kind of advance what we're doing uh, here in low Earth orbit, this is where we do the testing. We are the test bed for the deep space exploration. So if we can contribute in any small way to what the next generation of space explorers are going to do, I'll tell you what, uh, this is definitely a successful career. That'll make me feel really good. This has been amazing. Dream come true. Thank you so much, Josh. Regina, the thanks are all mine. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Ramirez, edited by Gabriel Spitzer, and fact-checked by Rebecca and Abby Levine. Maggie Luthar was the audio engineer. Brendan Crump is our podcast coordinator. Beth Donovan is the senior director of programming. And Anya Renman is our senior vice president of programming. I'm Regina Barber. Thanks for listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. See you tomorrow. Are they going to kick us out? (laughs) 
thank you to all participants from NPR's shortwave podcast uh, station. We are now resuming our operational audio communications.